Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Cod Cabin, your one and only place for Massachusetts politics, unless it's another Cod, Cod Cabin podcast, or maybe even another Massachusetts podcast. I'm Adam Bass. Joining me, as always, is Logan Ra- Logan Rabe and Jack Leary. Jesse Hahn, unfortunately, couldn't be here today. We're wishing him best of health. But today, we are covering the 19th district of Suffolk County. As you know, Bob Leo, the former House Speaker of Massachusetts, has resigned on his own terms to go teach at Northeastern University. And so, as tradition, a special election has opened up. And today, we're going to be talking to one of the candidates, Valentino Capobianco. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate the work you guys do on the Cod Cabin. I've listened to a bunch and love following you on Twitter. So I really do appreciate the opportunity to talk about my candidacy. Mm-hmm. I want to start with you know, there is a bit of an elephant in the room uh, regarding past comments you made. Uh, And some may have described it as uh, at times sexist and possibly even more. Uh, One of the statements I have pulled up here, and I do want to clean, uh, get this out of the way. Um, January 26, 2013. um, I'm sorry, January 23rd, 2013. I refuse to be that creepy girl that randomly starts grinding on a girl. You're quoting at the cam 111. What's so bad about that? I do it every weekend. Um, on the record, let's have your response, please. What you have to say for those past comments. Thank you. And I really do appreciate the, the opportunity to address this head on. Um, these comments were made you know, almost a, a decade ago when I was much younger. They certainly do not reflect the man I am today. They certainly don't reflect my actions as a legislative aide, chief of staff, and school committee member, um, that comment was wrong. And, you know, even though it was sarcastic in nature, it's not who I am. And I believe it was, was hurtful. And I do apologize for them. You know, Adam, I think in my professional career, I think I've showcased my commitment to equality and inclusiveness. Um, As a Winthrop school committee member and chairman at the time, we helped pass one of the first uh, resolutions in support of uh, question three to protect transgender youth and our own transgender students in the North public school system. You know, as a Massachusetts Democratic State Committee, I served on the platform committee in 2017. That was chaired by then um, Paul Feeney, who was before he was a Senator, uh, Sheriff Steve Tompkins and Evelyn Murphy. Evelyn Murphy. Um, and we produced one of the most progressive and inclusive party platforms in the country. We had protections for, you know, our working families, immigrants, in the LGBTQIA community. So you are remorseful for those past comments you've made? I deeply regret them. And as I said, I believe that actions speak louder than words. And I believe that my actions as I have grown up have showed the public servant that I am today. And I'm proud of my record. Thank you for putting that on record. All right, I'm gonna turn it over to Logan for some more policy oriented questions. Yeah, thanks Adam. And uh, thanks Valentino for being here. Um, I, I'll go to something that happened more recently with uh, Governor Baker vetoing the climate change bill um, last Thursday, where that would have um, put our state on track to becoming carbon neutral by 2050. And state legislature is now preparing to um, pass the bill again and then override Baker's veto. So I'm curious, uh, what are your thoughts on this whole climate bill situation? And do you think that if um, Baker is going to be vetoing these uh, bills anyways, should the legislator continue to try and uh, compromise with Baker or should they go their own way? Look, protecting our environment is crucial. Um, and I certainly disagree with the governor's decision to, to veto this bill. 
you know, if I'm in the state house, I'll vote for this bill when it hits the floor again. And I'll vote to override the governor if you should attempt to block it again. As Democrats, I really think we need to stand up for our values. And I have no problem voting to override Governor Baker, um, overriding his veto to protect our community and our environment. I mean, we have a super majority, let's act like it. Great, well, I'll hand it over to now, one of the issues that has become a lot more prevalent during the uh, pandemic is the MBTA, uh, which has been hit hard by decreased ridership and it continues to flounder. So I wanted to ask what your ideal funding structure for the MBTA looks like. And I'm also wondering if you support plans uh, such as those proposed by Representative Presley and Councilwoman Wu to make the MBTA free for low income riders. Look, we certainly, MBTA has to be fixed. The forging ahead plan has not worked at all. Um, locally important to, to our district, there's uh, quite a few blue line stops in Revere. Um, and one thing I'd love to see in the near future is a blue line expansion from uh, Wonderland to Lynn, which also helps uh, a number of students attend North Shore Community College. And I, I do agree with, with uh, Congresswoman Presley and Councilor Wu in doing everything we can to make ridership free and accessible um, to those that need it, especially those in marginalized communities. Um, very excited that you know the MBTA caucus uh, about a month or so ago sent a letter to General Manager Poftak stressing that belief and stressing these feelings. You know, and, and had I been a legislator at the time, I would have signed on to that letter. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, though, uh, in regards to the M MBTA and going uh, back to Jack's question, many uh, constituents and lawmakers have not really pushed back or even really talked about uh, the cuts to the MBTA that have been proposed due to the pandemic. I understand that it is because of the pandemic that they need to make those cuts. But at the same time, Governor Baker did veto a proposed legislation that would uh, allow low low fare ride, rider membership, oh, low ride fares, and as well, a fare increase for shared riders. Your thoughts on what many people and pundits are saying could be a quote unquote uh, crippling of the MBTA by Governor Baker, or do you have another take on that? Look, as I said, this is very similar to the first question. I think, you know, Democrats in the state should do what they can to override the governor when we disagree with him. Um, I certainly believe that there are a number of members of the legislature that have been very progressive on this issue and, and work to hold the MBTA accountable. Um, I know Senator Lewis has been a leader with this. I know Rep Garberly and I know Senator Feeney has, you know, because there's been cuts proposed to, directly to their district. Um, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about our legislators fighting for their district. And that includes, you know, MBTA cuts and the forging ahead plan that is just not productive at all um, proposed by, you know, GM Poftar. Um, so my, for my second question, um, Massachusetts is home to uh, Moderna, one of the vaccine companies, but despite this, we've actually struggled with vaccine distribution. Um, many national rankings have us in the bottom half of states and we're struggling, we're lagging behind our neighbors in terms of percentage of doses uh, being given. So how do you feel the state has done and how would you improve uh, what's going on? Thank you. You know, let's be clear right from the beginning. Um, lethargic vaccination is a result of the systemic and colossal failure of leadership from the Trump administration. Um, 
I know we only have 72 hours to go, but we just can't wait for new administration. We have to improve distribution right here in Massachusetts. You know, as of last week, as you said, I believe we only distribute about 35% of, of doses we received can, compared to the national average around 40. So we're ranking about 30th out of 50 states uh, percentage of vaccines administrated. I mean, look, you, you know, I know that, that's just flat out unacceptable. Um, I believe nine states have administered 50% uh, of their doses already. Let's take some of those things that are working in other states and implement them right here in Massachusetts. Um, I was reading a CNN article yesterday. I believe it's Colorado has had great success just by requiring every you know distribution center to administer the vaccine within 72 hours of receiving them. It seems to make sense to me, you know, and if each center reports nightly and how many vaccines they administered, uh, administered, and if they don't administer the vaccine within 72 hours. These doses will be shipped to locations that could administer them. I think we could definitely learn from what other states are doing and implement the, that system right here in Massachusetts. One of the things that uh, really intrigued me on your website was that you said that you think the minimum wage should be greater than $15, which would be the highest in the country for any state, I believe. Um, if you could single-handedly set the minimum wage, you know, without thinking about the rest of the legislature, the governor, what would you set it at? Would you do a one-time increase or like a gradual increase the way the state has currently been doing it? And do you think the minimum wage should be indexed to inflation? Look, I think right now the minimum wage should be $15 an hour, um, not to not when it's projected to $15 an hour. And I agree, like I, I think it should be implemented each year um, with, with um, uh, inflation. Sorry, I forgot the word there. You know, Massachusetts workers are working as hard as they can, especially on the front lines. That's why I also support hazards pay. It's why I support um, reinstating time and a half on Sundays for our retail workers that were at the front lines during the pandemic when we didn't really know what's going on. This is how we reward working families and, and pay them what they deserve. That's why I also support progressive taxation and I'll, day one, I'll co-sponsor the Fish Air Amendment. Uh, could you go into a little more detail about what that act is for many of our for many of our listeners? Sure. So the Fair Share Amendment um, is is basically a form of progressive taxation. It's certainly uh, very similar to you know what Senator Warren believes in nationally. Um, so that those that make more pay more. You pay in your fair share. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Jack has another question for you. Yeah, um, so Act on Mass is a transparency organization in Massachusetts, and right now they're pushing three rules changes uh, for the state legislature, um, one of which is requiring that all committee votes um, by legislators are public and that uh, you know we get rid of the, the unrecorded voice votes in the legislature. Uh, I know you won't be able to vote on these as you, if you do win, you won't be sworn in uh, for a couple months now, but do you support these rules changes proposed by Act on Mass? And if not, why? Look, in terms of committee votes, I believe every vote should be public and they are public. You know, they're just not posted. I mean, certainly issues in post audit oversight committee has to be um, sort of private in nature because of what they do. But as a chief of staff, you know, I would log these votes just, just so we had them on record. And if, if anyone called for them, you know, I didn't have the authority to post them on the website but I'd happily share and email them to anyone. I think committee votes um, 
you know, should be public and recorded and posted. And I have no problem with that. In terms of voice vote, it all depends on, you know, for a full formal session, yes, I'm for that. But informal, if there's no one objecting to it, it's sort of just a time issue. But that's something I'd love to have a conversation with Act on Mass about and advocates and um, could certainly see myself supporting that. Great. Thank you. Uh, I want to go uh, over to your district itself. This is Suffolk 19. These, uh, this district would include the cities of Revere and Winthrop. One of the things that these cities are dealing with right now, a lot of uh, Main Streets or a lot of cities, is that Main Street shops are closing, specifically mom and pop shops like the Banana Boat Ice Cream uh, Parlor that has just shut its doors due to the fact that it could not handle COVID restriction or COVID safety pr proposals. Because of that, a 43-year-old 40, a institution of Massachusetts and a family-owned institution has shut down. Um, a lot of Beacon Hill lawmakers have tried to really talk about these institutions, but not really publicly. So I would like you to talk about what you can do to help preserve these kinds of institutions and what you, you would say to your constituents who are struggling right now to keep these institutions alive. Thank you. Look, I think certainly probably the biggest issue uh, facing the legislature next year is going to be keeping small businesses and workers on their feet while we ride out this pandemic. Um, like many residents in this district, my grandfather would take me to the banana boat growing up because nobody had a better cream school soft serve than they did. Um, that could be debated though. The big debate growing up was Kells cream versus banana boat. You know? um, sadly, this is a story that's far too common right now in the Commonwealth and throughout the country. Workers have been front and center and we have to provide any aid we can for them. And this aid could go directly to providing safe working conditions. As I said earlier, fair wages, you know, and also workers should not have to use their personal or sick days while quarantining. That's why I support emergency paid sick time. Um, also work to a sense to protect our essential frontline workers, you know, and advocating for safe working conditions. You know, this includes providing basic PPE and as we said earlier, timely vaccine distribution and providing state funding for businesses. And we need to help our small businesses too. And that's why I have experience. As a staff member of the state Senate, you know, I assisted in drafting and advancing, advancing legislation that allowed for alcohol distribution with uh, takeout and delivery orders at the beginning of this pandemic. You know, our restaurants have really been hit hard and they're all vital to our community. I mean, take a look at Winthrop Center at Blackstrap Barbecue, talk to Kate Economides. She's doing everything she can, but it's tough because of the constant guidelines that have been changing. You know, some of these guidelines have been good and as state representative, I'll fight to make them permanently. You know, outdoor dining has worked. It's fun. I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to do it this summer. I enjoyed it. And these changes also they create foot traffic to local downtowns and it reduces our resilience on cars. You know, and also here's a big thing. Let's not forget on childcare challenges that's that pandemic parents have faced. I mean, working families are under immense pressure right now. Um, in stress when it comes to childcare. That's why I support expanding childcare and financial system to working families. Something that's going to be definitely um, about an issue in the next few months is uh, school reopenings. Um, yeah. With COVID cases going up, um, it might seem like we should be reopening after how long this crisis has gone on for, but 
Um, it's, it's, it's just getting worse right now. So as a member of uh, the Winthrop School Committee yourself, uh, what is your perspective on this? This is an issue I, I live with every day. I agonize over it. Um, as you know, the state changed guidelines recently. And some of the toughest calls I get that keeps me up as a school committee member is a call from a teacher that's terrified to go back, terrified for their safety. And also calls from parents whose children were three sport athletes or, you know, stars in the drama productions or, you know, a straight A student there. The child's now de deeply depressed and the social emotional health is just as important. Um, you know, we need to make sure that every child really has access to the best education possible. Um, and that's why, you know, we're, we're doing better with hybrid. We're, we're trying everything we can. We're learning through new remote issues. Um, you know, we do have to straighten our public schools. We have to invest in our teachers and students and make sure class size is manageable, whether it's in person or remotely. We have to make sure our, our teachers and our custodians have good salaries. And, you know, we have to reduce the emphasis on MCAS testing, not only during the pandemic, but I don't think it's productive to teach to a test, you know, moving forward. Think about what we could do instead of that we could we could focus on additional civics education you know the state really can't pass the bucks when the buck when it comes to communities like Winthrop and Revere we need to fight for more resources we need to fully implement the student opportunities act and the cherish cherish act you know let's expand vocational education and you know alternate pathways for middle class families with good paying jobs um think about it. If you could graduate high school and, and end up on an apprenticeship with a union, you could be making six figures in a few years. You know, that's why I believe in affordable education. You know, let's invest in our, our state college system and make community colleges much cheaper and eventually hopefully free. Um, so just to clarify, you talked about a, a hybrid model there. Is that is that what you support for most communities in Massachusetts at the moment? Right now, it's it's up to every single school committee. Um, under the state guidelines, it's recommended that Winthrop is in hybrid. Um, we were fully remote until uh, January 4th. And before that, I had a unique proposal. Um, it failed four to three, but it's actually, I believe, Saugus did it in Littleton, where I recommended that we um, return to school at a hybrid model December 10th, but a reduced hybrid model and this was used as a um, orientation so that children could get experience of being in the classroom, meet their teachers in person, their friends. And then over the holidays, you know, parents could have a conversation if they want to opt to send them back in January or keep them remotely. Um, we returned January 4th to follow the state guidelines. If it was up to me, I would say they should have returned maybe, you know, the second week of January. That's what was under my motion uh, back in November in front of the Winthrop School Committee. Great, thank you. So let, I'll also talk to you about the structure of uh, the communities of Winthrop and Revere. Both are by the beach, thus they are also subject to flooding. Boston itself has had some uh, high tide, uh, high rise tide flooding over the past couple of weekends. Uh, you've made it clear that you would support overriding uh, Governor Baker's veto of the Climate Change Act. Um, however, some uh, constituents, not constituents, uh, some Activists would say that the bill, while a good first step, does not go far enough. What is your opinion on the bill? Um, and if it's just the first step, in your opinion, what's the next step? 
That's a great question. Um, I'm supportive of the bill. And in Winthrop, we have a, a, a lot of climate change activists. Um, um, you know, uh, Cindy Lupi is the, I believe the executive director of Mass Clean Water Action. She's a resident. I live on Water Tower Hill. Um, and during, you know, major storms, uh, it take, it's a hard time to, to go to work because of the flooding at the bottom, bottom of the hill. I think we need to support a green budget here in Massachusetts, which would increase funding for, you know, DEP admin, DCR parks, DCR watershed and DER. And I think fully funding these programs is critical to improving our air quality, water quality, public health and combating, you know, seawater rise. And many uh, state lawmakers and federal lawmakers of Massachusetts have decided to quote unquote pitch in their residences and their areas, for example, Bill Keaton has advocated for more uh, wind turbines and windmills in the South Coast area due to the fact that that's where a lot of wind comes from. Being that you are on the, on the seashore, would there be an opportunity to use uh, eco, uh, hydro uh, ecological science in order to provide climate change uh, or prevent climate change? Look, I think in Winthrop, we do the best we can. Um, there, off of Deer Island, there are some 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 windmills there that's helpful. Um, to be honest, this is a question of, of you know not really sure the answer, but I definitely work with some advocates and and see what we could do on it. I know one thing that we've done in Winthrop is is a community fight for air quality because of our our location to the airport, and also I've been a longtime advocate for additional soundproofing and mitigation through Massport. Uh, so, Massachusetts, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, passed an eviction moratorium that was one of the strongest in the country. Uh, that has since ended. Uh, I think it was in October, and now we're just on the national the national eviction moratorium, uh, which expires at the end of January. So, my question for you is: uh, Do you think we should have a, a stronger eviction moratorium? Um, and what are your plans for for affordable housing in general? Look, I definitely support expanding the eviction moratorium um, locally with, with housing in my district. Um, feel a real need for working families and, and our seniors. I mean, Winthrop Housing Authority and Revere Housing Authority does a great job. Um, and I think we should really increase funding to, to make sure that there is a few more additional units for them. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever tried to, to help a constituent or talk to a family member trying to get into one of these housing authorities. It's oftentimes a, a five to 10 year wait, wait list. And that's not right. Everyone needs to have access to, to housing, especially our veterans and our, our most, most vulnerable residents. And another thing, um, Massachusetts has banned rent control um, from our, our towns uh, enacting rent control for about 20 years now. Um, do you think this should be repealed? I did some another issue I have to take a, a look into. It, it hasn't been brought into my attention. Um, so at the moment, I, I can't say that I'd be in favor of repealing it, of repealing it, but I definitely will will educate myself on the issue. Uh, recently, a committee in the state house voted down an amendment to grant felons the right to vote. Uh, do you agree with the, the committee's decision? And do you think that felons, uh, while they are serving their time in prison, should have the right to vote? I don't know if they should. Have, I don't think they should have the right to vote while in prison. Obviously, 
pending the sentence. I think that's maybe something we could take a look at. But certainly, when you're out, you should always have the right to vote. That's that's your your right as an American. But I don't I don't know if you have the right to vote in in municipal, state, or federal elections while you're incarcerated for a serious criminal criminal crime. And one final question, because we are running out of time. Well, for for those wanting to engage in local politics, even though that the Trump era is over, and many people say you know, now's the time for us to step back. Uh, what would you say to those, regardless of either party or whatever uh, feelings that they have towards each other, how would you help engage uh, with them? Oh, this looks like a Seinfeld there. <laughs> one of the, one positive um, thing that came out of the Trump administration is the fact that how many residents have became activists. 101 way, you know, how to get involved. Go to your town hall website, see what boards and committees are there, send an email to the town manager or council and try to get involved and, and get active. I mean, there's something for everyone. With me, it was the Winthrop Airport has its committee and then eventually ran for school committee. I know every town has a you know scholarship committee, a parks and recs committee, uh, you know, veterans committee, you know, anything you can imagine. Um, great volunteer opportunities. And if, if that's not your thing, you know. Break out the Google machine and get involved with, you know, March for Our Lives or the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, there's certainly a place for everyone. And by God, we need the youth of America to get involved because it's it, they've helped us take back the House, the Senate, and the White House. Valentino Capobianco, thank you for joining us today on the COD Cabin. Thank you all for listening. We hope to continue our series in Suffolk 19 very soon with other candidates. Take care. And any final words, Valentino? Final pitch, uh, please visit my website, www.tino4rep.com, where you'll see my progressive platform. Feel free to email me anytime. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'm Adam Bass with Logan Rabe and Jack Leary. Thank you for listening for the Cod Cabin.